Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, April 1st, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and with me today, I'd like to introduce our roundtable of investing experts. It's always great to have them on the show because they don't fool around when it comes to digging into the details of the market and sharing their thoughts with us. Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Patrick Grady, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our key questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So it's been a week full of economic data, so let's start with a quick recap. For the first quarter of 2022, just ending yesterday, both stock and bond markets were down across the board. The S&P 500 was down around 4.5%. NASDAQ lost twice that amount, just under 9 Small caps declined 7.5%, and also some people might not have realized it because it's a little bit muted in terms of, uh, of recognition, but the aggregate bond index was also down just under 6%. In terms of economic data released for the week, pretty full calendar, so we'll just give you a quick update on each day. On Monday, the Dallas Fed shared that the Texas manufacturing continues to expand and factory activity is on a solid pace. On Tuesday, the Case-Shiller Home Price Index showed housing continues to increase at a clip of 19%, year over year. We're going to need to watch to see how that increases in mortgage rates affect this pattern overall as we go through time. Also on Tuesday, Department of Labor shared that job openings continue to remain high within this tight labor market at 11.3 million job openings. On Thursday, Bureau of Economic Analysis released the Fed's preferred measure of inflation known as the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, and it showed a 5.4% increase year over year in February compared to 5.2% in January, again, illustrating that inflation is a real challenge and has been increasing significantly for the past six months. Finally, earlier this morning, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released employment data that included a couple key factors. One, addition to non-farm payrolls of 431,000 for March, plus an additional upward revision of about 72,000 jobs in February for a total of just over half a million jobs this month. Also number two, the unemployment rate at 3.6%, improving from 3.8% last month. But again, a reminder for everybody out there, the unemployment rate is a lagging indicator. And there have been times where the unemployment rate in history has been extraordinarily low, even before a recession unfolds. Lastly, also on the inflation front, average hourly earnings increased 5.1% year over year. So when you hear folks talk about a wage price spiral, this is part of that equation. Taking all these factors into consideration, what are you seeing in the equity market, Steve? Well, Brian, good morning. It's really been an interesting week. We've had uh, a rally right back into the resistance zone at 4550 to 4600 that we have talked about uh, both on these podcasts before and in our key charts this week. The, the, the bottom line is right now the battle is joined between bulls and bears. You know, if we were to get a decisive break above this level, then it opens the possibility for a run to, to new highs to challenge 4,800 again. 
And if we fail, I, I think it opens the door for us to, to go back and, and retest those February, March lows down around 4,200 on the S&P. So we're really in a key area for the market here. And I, and I think that we're likely going to spend a little bit of time here as we battle back and forth between the bulls and the bears. There's a pull, a push and pull between um, a number of different factors in the market here right now. You know, we're, we're, we certainly are uh, seeing late cycle dynamics. Um, however, when we look at things that try to get us to think about things more bullishly, uh, we just haven't seen uh, any type of a, of a volume spike uh, about in terms of positive skew of up volume versus down volume. Same thing in terms of you know stocks making new 52-week uh, highs or 20-day highs. Um, just a whole number of, of breadth indicators that would kind of give us an all clear that the market was likely to continue to, to, to power higher from here. We haven't gotten any of those. It doesn't mean the market can't work its way higher but you know really to us this has all the hallmarks of a of a, a severe of a, of a really sharp bounce off of a severe oversold condition and once we got that correction level hit in march um if you take a look at the fundamentals you know i, I was looking at this just before we got on the call you know since march 14th we've seen earnings for the s p 500 grind higher by a grand total of a dollar and 20. Um, it's up to 233 per per share for the 500. While at the same time we've seen the multiple on those earnings expand from 18 back to 20. So this whole rally that we've had has all been generated by multiple expansion. Um, this this is what we thought this year was going to be all about. That it wasn't going to be about earnings. It was going to be about multiples, and that sure is playing out in spades. Outstanding, Steve. So in the same context, Rajiv, when we talk about the fixed income market yields and what's happening with bonds, what are your thoughts as we take all this information into consideration? Uh, good morning, Brian. And, and I agree with you, what you're saying about the numbers, uh, uh, ugly numbers for fixed income this year. Uh, if you look at treasuries for March, the loss for treasuries was the biggest in nearly two decades and overall the worst quarter on record uh, for government debt. So anything that's interest rate sensitive, you had some pain in fixed income so far this year. And that's what happens when you have a Fed that's aggressive, trying to play catch up. Uh, you have the Fed uh, talking about 50 basis points hikes uh, upcoming in May, possibly in June as well. With an aggressive Fed and now the market pricing in at least six, rate, six more rate hikes this year, you're going to feel the pain in the Treasury market. And we felt it. Uh, if you look at the two year, that surged 90 basis points in March, up to 2.44%. Um, and that's really just on top of the 10 year, which is at 2.44%. In fact, it inverted again today. So we have been seeing the yield curve. We've been talking about the yield curve moving flatter and flatter. Now we finally see inversions on the yield curve. We saw the twos, tens invert this month. We saw the fives, thirties invert, threes, tens, fives, tens, sevens, tens. They've all inverted at some point uh, in the month of March. And what happens when you have an inversion, you start having a lot of context about, is this a signal for our upcoming recession? Uh, some of these uh, signals have been there and they've shown their, their value over time. Historically speaking, twos, tens have been a great predictor of upcoming recessions, but this time it could be different. And the reason I say that is because you have a Fed that's provided amazing amount of accommodative policy during the COVID uh, crisis. So you have a Fed that was doing a lot of purchasing of bonds uh, so it's almost artificial. So the twos, tens 
being a predictor this time, it might not be the best predictor. We see a lot of uh, context for the three month tenure as being a predictor. And if you look at that curve, that's actually steepening, which could tell you that uh, short term, the market's expecting growth. So this is a very interesting time for fixed income. And I think uh, one thing you have to look at is you look at the yield curve and that tells a picture. But then if you look at corporate credit, you see uh, you know, continuing demand for corporate credit. You see uh, issuers coming to market uh, in droves. I mean, we had an anticipation that there would be new issuance for investment grade corporate credit about 135 billion for March. We had 235 billion for March. So these issuers are taking advantage as much as they can before rates really start moving higher. And they're coming to market and doing money grab really and trying to raise cash. But the interesting part is investors are lining up to buy this corporate debt. So they're taking on corporate debt, they're choosing corporate debt over treasuries, and that's kind of been our messaging uh, for the year as well. Um, I think it's very interesting to see that the demand continues. And now that you see where yields are, whether it be corporate credit or even now treasuries, if you're looking at a two-year note at 2.44%, that's starting to look pretty attractive to a lot of players out there who don't want to hold cash. Um, I also think that if you look at corporate credit, average uh, yields there are over 3.3%. 3 uh, so that also looks attractive. So you're seeing more foreign participants come into the market. If I wanted to extrapolate that, I want to bring Pat Grady into the conversation here because, you know, we've been seeing, we've been talking about uh, valuations and corporate credit not looking attractive, especially for investment grade for a while. Now they are starting to look attractive. What's your take, Pat, on the mini market and then seeing any differences that we're seeing this year? Uh, thanks, Rajiv, and, and good morning. Um, it, you know, it's been quite a dramatic change in the muni market for the past uh, nine months. Um, especially for an asset class known for its uh, stability and calm. Uh, so for the better part of 21, uh, munis were rich uh, compared to treasuries and corporates. And we measure that by the muni ratio to treasury. Uh, so last year, the muni five-year ratio got as low as 57%. Uh, typically, that relationship is around 80% historically. Um, but despite that low uh, historic ratio, we did see money flowing into mutual funds roughly $2 billion uh, per week were coming into the, the mutual fund space. So we had low absolute rates, we had low ratios, and then strong flows into the market. Uh, fast forward uh, nine months to today, uh, and with the help of the Fed, we now have munis you know, back to fair value. The five-year ratio is now above 83%. Uh, the AAA five-year absolute rate went from 50 basis points to now well over 2%. And then now we're seeing outflows. So a complete reversal, we're now seeing $2 billion uh, per week uh, move out of the mutual fund space. So again, complete 180 from last year. Uh, so we see munis now looking you know, like fair value, but there's no magic number uh, where we'll see a, a point where um, money starts flowing back into munis. Um, you look back to the onset of the pandemic back in April of 2020, we saw ratio spike as high as 300% of treasuries. Um, we had massive outflows roughly 17 billion in one week alone. <clears throat> so a complete reversal, but uh, we're certainly glad to see the first quarter uh, behind us. It was the worst quarter in Muni performance in over 40 years, down over 6%. But as Rajiv and Steve mentioned, there's really nowhere to hide, you know, S&P uh, down over 5%, treasuries down over 5.6%, investment grade corporates down roughly 8%. So we're just looking for the cleanest dirty shirt in this market. Uh, but with this dramatic move, uh, there comes potential for opportunities for those investors with uh, some money to put to work uh, in this market could use this uh, certainly as a better entry point. So, Pat, given that a lot of our clients are invested in municipal bonds, it's great to have you on the call with us today. Are there any final thoughts or interesting comments you'd like to leave with in terms of a summary comment? 
Well, thanks, Brian. The biggest thing is munis are still tax exempt. Uh, they're still high quality with the low default and credit risk. And, and, and most importantly, they're back to fair value. Fantastic. Well, Steve, Rajiv, and Pat, thanks for providing your insights. We always appreciate it. But thanks to our listeners for joining us today. And be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are offered by KeyBank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key ba private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of key bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA, or KIA. KIS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2021.